Becca, for those who haven't met me before, and I'm part of the team here at Trent Vineyard. Um, and today we have are joined by John and Debbie, who not only lead the church here, but also lead the movement here in the UK and Ireland. Hello, guys. Hello. 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 hello Becca, Hi. Hello so I have been involved in the kids ministry here, leading it as kids pastor for just over five years, but being involved for 15 years. So I love kids ministry and you can't get me out of it <laughs> anytime <laughs> soon. But um, I've seen you both come in and volunteer in Trent Kids. John, you have come in and donned a t-shirt and sat and made pom-poms with the kids. And Debbie, you've been in leading sessions on the Holy Spirit, and it's just been incredible having you involved. Um, as a movement, we're so grateful for all that you guys do for us today. Um, but why do you think it's so important that senior leaders are involved in kids' ministry? Well, it, it speaks of value. And, um, you know, kids are not like we look after them while the adults do church. It's like we, we really want to invest in doing church for, uh, you know, every age. This auditorium we're in now is the biggest room, and not because we value adults more than children, but because uh, the sort of 80, whatever, 18 to 90s group is the biggest group. But we just do, you know, church well for every age group. So we started uh, the children's work in London, goodness knows, 30 years ago. Yes, I remember when John, Nella, years ago. when John Nella asked us to start the children's work, to be honest, we'd never had much involvement. So we immediately said yes, because we were there to serve them. But almost before we got home, we walked home, before we felt the Lord give us a vision. We were suddenly passionate about children's work. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we just started, you know, praying about how we could do it. We felt like we really wanted this be just a really good quality uh, children's ministry. We had seen uh, in different places, we've been in the Anaheim Vineyard in America, and we'd seen the quality of children's ministry. And uh, so we kind of approached it with like masses of enthusiasm. And uh, we believe that children are not just the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. Yeah. And they are so worth investing in. And we know that in our own lives, the investment that different adults had in our lives as children meant that we we walked freely. Uh, we had our issues in our teenage years, but we walked freely from so many of the issues that people today are facing when they grow up with none of that investment. Yeah, we wish we could have done it more. And in fact, um, we have been in, as you know, but not as much as I'd like to. And when I talked to you about, could you put me on the rotor once a term? Yeah. Um, I thought, could I really be away from the grown-ups? Because, you know, I need to be here and seem to be here and mm -hmm. so on. But then I thought, no, you know, being there speaks value to them. It values the children. Yes, It absolutely. values the team. Mm -hmm. And it values the parents who saw me in there. Grandparents. Yeah. And grandparents and carers who drop people off, uh, children off. Uh, and also, it's really good for your soul. I mean, I yeah. love children. So yeah. the, the freedom to be actually, you know, be released from the grown-ups meeting yeah. has yeah. been really, really precious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it does make such a difference to our kids, just knowing who you are and, and knowing that we're all one big church, even if we're in separate buildings, which we're very lucky to yeah. be able to do. Yeah. About three weeks ago, I, I starred in one of the little yes, our film online. things yeah. for the 5 to 11s. I loved that. Which was fantastic. The kids' reaction to knowing that you were in some of our videos was brilliant. So you guys have two absolutely gorgeous grandsons and two sons. How, as a family, do you encourage them to follow Jesus? Well, uh, first of all, we were privileged to have um, at least one of them before the other one was born, uh, living with us and his parents during lockdown, the first lockdown. 
So uh, we took every opportunity to, um, um, in fact, I remember we started to teach him the, the, the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. I think it was happening in Vineyard Kids, and yeah. so we built on that. And now he can say the whole of the Lord's Prayer. Amazing, and he's four. And he's four, he? yeah. And so that, you know, things like that, watching, uh, you know, there's some great little TV programs, watching... Um, Bible stories bible stories there's there's all the sorts bible of stories yeah them. watching those with him uh pretending to enact them um prayers at bedtime i mean we'll do what his own parents are doing but we'll just reinforce it ourselves yeah. grace at the dinner table lots of singing of songs especially songs that actually tell bible stories like mm. peter and james and john in a sailboat <laughs> you know or the rain <laughs> came down and the floods came up you know yeah. all those basic simple little songs um those biblical truths going in and now um our eldest grandson, age four, he asks questions. I mean, it's like, uh, I can't see God. You know, how how do we know he's there? I can't see him. Yes. And then, you know, we'll talk about that. Or, or you know, um, are you going to die, Nana? And then I'll be able to say, well, yes, I will one day, but I'm going to be with Jesus. And, mm. and you know Jesus. And, yeah. you know, we, we, yeah. we kind of talk that so way. Really so really reinforcing what his parents are but doing. It, it's, it's like the Catholic Church says, you know, give me a child... Um, before the age of seven or until the age of seven and, and we've got them for life. In other words, there is a wonderful stage in life, you know, from naught to seven where yeah. they will just absorb so much wonderful truth and we're setting them up on a firm foundation, yeah. uh, which is the rock. Which Teach is a Jesus. child in the way... He should go. He should go and in the end he won't depart from it. I mean, obviously... scriptures. As people become young adults, they have the volitional choice to depart from it. But it's amazing how much that foundation being built, often people return later in life to that. Yeah. So about our own children. Oh, my gosh, yes, yes. Uh, I think we probably felt, uh, did we do a good job? Uh, the fruit is that both of our children are committed followers of Jesus, have married beautiful uh, yeah. Christian women, and so on. So like, it came out okay in the end. But whether we were very good at like family devotions, we, we used to see families who were like, all the children were beautifully behaved and they're all doing family prayers and doing all these things. So like, we're rubbish at that. And they can't keep their attention because it just wasn't interesting enough. But I think what we did was model, uh, they knew that we were sold out for the Lord. Yeah. A model a life of that. Well, for example, when we did the first giving campaign for the building, we sat down with our children and we said to them, we're going to give sacrificially for this building. That means we've got to cut down on treats like yeah. McDonald's and yeah. certain things. Are you up for it? We believe the Lord will bless us, you know, uh, for doing this, but w would you do it? Now, obviously, little children are like, yes, yes, absolutely, yes, yeah. mummy and daddy. Later on in life, it's like, when are we going to be blessed? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, it won't necessarily come through money. Yeah. It will come other ways. You know, you are blessed, you live. But those but things instilled them, like, in them. Yeah, like on finances, including them. Yeah. In. So they had their own pocket money and they chose their their um, spend, save and give yeah. right from the yeah. word go. Yeah. And then I think probably little things like including them a little bit in, they knew that we had a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I remember one time when Zach was very young, just uh, going for a walk by the River Trent and I took him to the place and I said, this is where daddy prays. I come and sit in this little place. And then we went through Psalm 23 together and prayed by the river. So that yeah. that's just a glimpse. I didn't take him regularly. Yeah. But uh, going on the soup run, perhaps with our children. Absolutely, you did. And when, and stopping yeah. with a homeless person to buy them a burger or talk mm -hmm. or give them some money, mm. which they've continued. And know, then we used to do night stop. Yeah. And so we had yeah. young people coming in off the streets and, you know, that was a, a, an interesting season as well. Yeah. So trying to, as we lived the life, that was uh, probably the, the best influence we could have. 
but we tr we did all the other things as well. I mean, we prayed with them as we went to sleep. We sang songs. We worshipped. We did, you know, they knew that this is a life of worship, yeah. but it was challenging. And so we were riddled with doubt during that time. And we would watch other children, as John said, and then you think, gosh, I'm such a lousy parent. And we're Christian leaders. And we were always relieved to hear stories of kids that were really naughty and then we were like yes that's great our children aren't as bad as them like, oh, thank goodness and then in the end you know it all comes out in the wash and now as adult children we have wonderful discussions about the lord and about theology and all sorts of things and with our daughters-in-law yeah it's nice to hear that we all compare ourselves to others but we don't <laughs> yes. need to and it's just yeah. our own relationship with god that's yeah. important so apart from your immediate family you've spoken about how you've parented how how important is it to involve other people in their relationship with God? So important. Like it takes a, a village. village to raise a child. And, and um, I, we hear that's the title of this yeah. uh, gathering. Of this which is, yeah. Yeah, we didn't know that we before. Know that. We were, we, we it's an old African proverb, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the peers and older children, teenagers, as well as adults, modeling. It's like we're not alone. Because, you know, um, Romans 12, 2 talks about don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. So in J.B. Phillips' translation, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Mm. And uh, in today's culture, which is becoming more and more post-Christian and more and more difficult probably to grow up in, mm -hmm. the world is doing everything it can to squeeze our children into that mold. And whether that's pretty much everything they'll watch on media, yeah. as well as even some of the curriculum changes and that sort of thing. Things it, to the, do with their the identity. Is, is trying to mold them. Yeah. So it's crucial to have around them people they can look to uh, who model something different. Who so love Jesus. In our, we made some terrible choices on the uh, on babysitters. <laughs> Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> so because, you know, as a, I was on the staff at Southwest London and then we were leading here. And so evenings, often we were out for an evening. It's like, oh, you're going out tonight. And so we just discerned quite quickly some of our babysitter choices were terrible because they were like, we hate that person coming. Do you have to go out? And then there were other times it's like, we love okay, that we, we love that person. It's like, okay, we need okay. to go with them. We really need to do this. And and we really paid attention to that and made sure that the people uh, looking after them were people that loved Jesus and people that were yes. enthusiastic, members of the church, and, you know, it all helped. But it's, it's, it's also the, the atmosphere of the community of faith. When children come into that and they see the way people relate to each other, whether, you know, the fact that we're a church with, a, you know, people of different socioeconomic, um, you know, play, places of life, the, the people yeah. of different races and ethnicities and, and ages. Our children are getting a glimpse of a way of operating in life. Obviously, we're not perfect, but they see something that they may not see in another place. Yeah. And we're not, we're not perfect by any means, but the way they see people interacting, caring for each other. And I, th I think one of the best things for us was when we were doing small groups and people coming into our home, a lot more newcomers, dinners and all sorts. When they were little, it was, I mean, they absolutely loved those things. As they got to teenagers, it became a bit different because you need more space and, and all yeah. that. So we kind of shifted things a bit as they got older. But when they were children, they loved to be involved. I remember our eldest would sit through prayer meetings that we had, intercessory prayer meetings in our home. And he'd just come in and just plonk himself down and just sit through them all. He wanted to be there. Yeah. I don't know why, because I didn't know that, that that wasn't entertainment, but there was something about just being in the room. Mm. And so for kids leaders what role do you think kids ministry leaders have then in developing and shaping these kids who are coming oh, well from the leaders to the helpers i mean yeah. everybody in yeah. that uh, who gives time to children 
we underestimate how incredibly valuable it is when an, when a person older than you speaks something affirming, something encouraging, notices something about you, um, hopefully not just about your looks, but yeah. about something like, oh, I noticed how you, you know, were so kind to that person over there. Oh, you picked up that piece of litter. Just little things, people affirming their behaviours, affirming their love for Jesus, affirming the way they worshipped, affirming the fact that they were quietly listening and engaging with the story. Um, affirming anything, anything affirming they possibly anything. can, is so yeah. powerful to be in that atmosphere. And, and developing relationship with the children. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to be on the serving you know every week but even yeah. if it's once a month yeah actually you know the names of the children you pick up where you left off that sort of thing and believing in children you know the, yeah. the power uh, there's so much in society which will knock you down that having some people who just speak into your life and lift you up just is incredibly valuable yeah yeah and one of the lovely things about kids ministry is that we've got people who are serving on the rota who are teenagers right up to grandparents and they just get so much wealth of mm. experience and knowledge. And, you know, there's the cool kid who they want to be like, and there's the grandparent who, it, you know, it's just enveloping them in love. Um, so it is a, it's a wonderful thing that kids ministry can bring to children, that intergenerational thing, which is really important. Absolutely. I know at Trent mm. this year that we're looking at how can we develop that intergenerational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just... I and and I think also for the team, it's really good because different age ages will interact with the children differently. So whereas a young person is bouncing around and jumping on the trampoline with them and doing this, an older person can handle a child's misbehaviour or emotions because they've got the experience, especially if they had their own children, of how children can behave and maybe be more discerning about maybe there's something going on with that child. Maybe they're not happy in school or amongst their friends or, you know, and so they're discerning different things. And so we need the whole range of ages and, again, race and ethnicities, people to look out for our children in, in unique and special yeah. ways. Yeah. I can think of people who invested in me as a child, school teachers, youth leaders, that sort of thing. And, you know, some key moments of, of actual really um, stepping into a new level of discipleship were conversations I can even recall you know, today. Well, especially with with um, Christian people, I we had obviously I was I grew up in Chile. I was on the mission field, and so we had um, what we called aunties. They weren't blood relatives, but we called them aunties, and their investment in in us as children. Uh, and they would uh, one of them, Auntie Margaret. She not only ran the school, but she ran what they called Sunday school in those days, but with great passion. And so a number of the kids who were part of the school would turn out on a Sunday to what they did children's church. The whole thing was for children. It was children's church. And um, just instilling our love for Jesus through stories and, and, and just pointing us out and telling us how much, you know, we would, you know, what the Lord had for us and all this was just so invaluable. Um, but then some people, it was just a little conversation here and there. I mean, I barely remember a relationship, but just a look or a, an affirming sense that I was not despised for being a child. Mm. Even that was uplifting and wonderful. Yeah. So that brings us perfectly onto the next question. As children, do you ever remember a time when you encountered God? Yes. Uh, I grew up in the High Anglican Church um, with the 1662 communion service every Sunday morning at 9.15. So you barely no, understood no what they said. Were, no Sunday school, no nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, but then about 1967-ish, my parents really came to faith 
uh, in a very vital way, and I followed suit at the age of seven. Um, and the charismatic renewal was sweeping this nation at that time, mid-60s mid to late-60s. So at the age of probably nine, I may have been 10, I went to a meeting in London with Michael Harper speaking, talking about the Holy Spirit and stuff. And apparently I just dissolved into tears through the whole of his talk. My parents were like, what's wrong with our son? And they asked me, and I said, I just want to tell people about Jesus. So clearly the Holy Spirit had come upon me. Yeah. And then there was an opportunity to go to a little side room at the end and be prayed for. And I said, I need to go. And so they're like, okay, you're only 10, but okay, we'll take you. And um, they prayed for me and I sort of erupted in another language, fluently speaking in tongues and totally in an ecstatic state, which all the way home, then the following day, apparently in the lounge, they said, you, you need to either leave the lounge or you need to stop. <laughs> Because you, you know, just continued. I just, just continued. It was a very yeah. extraordinary experience. I, I um, again, you know, grew up uh, in a wonderful Christian family and on the mission field and saw loads of things and sensed, definitely sensed. I remember an experience where um, one member of the church had been involved in witchcraft, um, um, sorcery, they called it in those days, and he had been delivered. I remember hearing my parents talk about someone being delivered from a from demonic spirits and things, and thinking, wow, what, what's that all about? And then he was baptized by a river, so we're outdoors by a river, and he had a pile of books, um, so he had an incredible testimony, and there's pile of books, all sorts of awful, evil stuff in these books. They got burnt, and, and, I, and I remember having a sense of something evil was leaving and something really good was around us. And, and so I hadn't had any experience of, as you might say, an encounter of the Holy Spirit like that, but just the sense of God's goodness. And um, other times I remember having dreams regularly that of Jesus beckoning me, calling me, and knowing that I was called. And I assumed being called meant the mission field. And I didn't like that. And, and then later I thought it's for leadership and I didn't want that either. <laughs> but later on, when we really, really started pressing into God in our early 20s, and people started saying you're called to leadership, I totally remembered that's so right. The Lord told me this when I was a child. Yeah. But also just to say one thing, I remember going to a meeting. My mother had experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time uh, on a ship journey on the way back to Chile one time. And um, she was really loving the Lord. And so she started taking us as children to these tent meetings which were probably Pentecostal meetings and they were very exuberant and they would invite people to come up to the front to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the the assumption was you would speak in tongues. Right. But people went up and it was very powerful and people were speaking in tongues everywhere and I went up to receive the Holy Spirit and nothing happened, mm -hmm. um, absolutely nothing. And I went back to my chair and my sisters were like, oh, did you get, oh, I got it. And, and I was like, nothing happened to me. And, but... I think it was after that I started having the dreams. That's right. It was after that I started having dreams about being called. And I now look back and I realize God's hand was absolutely on me. When you ask for a gift from the Lord, he doesn't give you a stone. He, yeah. he gives you good yeah. gifts as your father. And so he gave me the Holy Spirit. I just didn't feel him and experience him. Yeah. So, um, yes, we definitely had encounters as children. Great. So can you tell us any of your dreams about Vineyard Kids and where that's going as a movement. Well, the, the scripture that comes to me always is, is Isaiah 61, you know, that they would be oaks of righteousness, uh, uh, righteousness, a display of God's splendor, that every one of our children, you know, as they grow up through the, the movement from yeah. babies to teenagers, that they would be able to take their place in the world, to, to take their place and know who they are in Christ 
you know, to have a solid foundation, to know that they are truly loved, mm -hmm. that they don't have to look to others for their, um, you know, for whether they feel good about themselves, whether that's their exterior or inside, that they would be uh, just solid, firmly rooted in Christ and to, to, to follow his calling and lay down their lives to sacrifice. Yeah. I think we are in the most extraordinary times with all that's gone on. I think we're going to enter a time where it's going to be quite difficult to be a Christian. Mm. I think we have a lot to learn from the churches in Iran and other places who would say of us that we were asleep. You know, I, I heard a story just recently of a couple who left with their family from Iran. They went to a country in the West and about six months later, the wife said, take me back because this nation is asleep. The Christians in this nation are sleepy. They're under a curse, like a, like a, a, a lullaby from the, deep, from, from the devil. And I want to go back. I'd rather be in a country where we're going to be persecuted for our faith and live a life. And I think that something is coming. And my prayer is that our children would grow up with the resilience, the, the desire to lay down their lives, to, to give up what needs to be given up in order to stand up for Jesus and proclaim the gospel. Yeah. Um, and be confident in that resilient faith, that radical faith, just to live out what it means to be a disciple, mm. to be people who are servant-hearted and outward-looking and compassionate and generous and and naturally supernatural, and all the things that we would hope for in, um, you know, in a true disciple of Christ. Yeah. To and and you know what we say in the vineyard is that they would extend the kingdom everywhere in every way possible, yeah. in what wherever they find themselves, that the Lord would send them. Great. Um, so leadership development in the vineyard movement is so important. Pro probably everyone who's watching today will have been through some kind of leadership development. Um, at what age, why do you think it's important to develop leadership within our kids? Well, it's important because, uh, first of all, every child has leadership to some extent. You know, influence, leadership is influence. So if you're just simply talking about your faith, that would be... Uh, leadership. I remember at the age of five being milk monitor once a term uh, where you get a little third of a pint bottles of glass bottles of milk that we used to give out and that sense of responsibility it draws something out of a child. One thing I did think about children and spotting leadership is is be careful not to just look to the obvious. The extrovert, so, you know, the extrovert. The Sometimes you'll see you know in the school playground Johnny wants to go on the climbing frame. Everyone wants to go to the climbing frame. Yeah. He wants to play football. They all trudge back. Uh, but actually, there are some quiet kids. You know, I was 26 before anyone noticed anything about me in terms of uh, leadership. Um, and I was just really quiet. I was the sort of runt of the pack. I was short and skinny for many, many years into my bullied, teenage years. Bullied, really. badly bullied. Bullied and that sort of thing. And very quiet, very shy, really. Mm. But um, people spotted it and began to draw out of me. Give me responsibility. You know, we, we need leaders. We really need leaders. We need leaders in the vineyard movement. We need leaders everywhere. People need leadership. You know, even if um, one of our children grows up and takes on a job that isn't necessarily a management leadership position, their ability to influence the atmosphere. You know, mm -hmm. we expect that when we walk into a room and we bring Jesus with us, that the atmosphere changes. Mm. And that's leadership. Yeah. And so, you know, however that leadership manifests, I think for our children, they need to be inspired that yes. to be leaders is not something to shy away from. And leadership doesn't always look the same for every person. But I think if they're surrounded by leaders who love Jesus, who behave in a manner that is like Jesus, because you can get leaders who don't model leadership brilliantly. Mm. But if you have leaders who are kind, who are, you know, humble, 
um, who are, you know, passionate about Jesus and don't hide that, then kids will want to be leaders, not necessarily in the church, but also I think mixing with um, adults in the church and having input. You know, I know some of our um, some of our best children leaders within kids ministry are are actually leaders in in their in the world. They 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 have their own businesses. They they influence lots of people, and for children to know that they're not necessarily called to ministry leadership in the church, but they are leaders. Yeah. They're leaders everywhere. That's for inspiring for a child. Mm. What we want is every child to take their place as God calls them. Yeah. yeah. In the church and out of the church. Great. Um, so many of our churches are always struggling for volunteers and for people to step up, both on a Sunday and during the week. Um, what can we do to ensure that this coming generation really understands the heart of serving and laying down their lives um, for the sake of others? Well, I hope it's in the curriculum somewhere that you would teach about Jesus being the ultimate <laughs> servant, laying down his life. Yeah, for need those. to make sure that's in there now. Yeah, yeah. You do. it's not already in there. And then it being modelled mm -hmm. yeah. is so important. Yeah. And then giving kids an opportunity to serve. I know that here you've got children on the welcome team yes. and the connect team and the refreshments team yeah. and, and giving people responsibility giving uh, just you know if the more you can build into a child the more it will that child will naturally do those things or expect those things as they grow older mm. i think also you know so much is caught not taught and if they see people around them including mm. the leaders in the church the staff and the leaders mm. modeling servant leadership um, that I think will will influence everybody. Um, we're looking for people who you see are going the extra mile, um, whether it's picking up litter, whether it's stacking chairs, whether it's um, you know doing the carpet. You know, as children watch, and they, when, they, when their own parents are involved in serving in the church, yeah. even if it's not in children's ministry, it might be on refreshments, and they know we've got to come in early. We may have to hang around, but they'll remember. My parents, you know, there was a price, there was a cost yeah. to following Jesus. And uh, so if they see that in, in the children's team as well, children's team enthusiastically giving up time, energy, um, then then they'll see that and they'll want to be like that. We do projects, and I know you do as children, where yeah. you, the children's workers, where they go out and do a project and they're blessing the community in some way. And those are so important, you know, yeah. families going and giving Easter eggs to their street or setting up a picnic yeah um so important just for children to, it's yeah. just a part of what it means to be a disciple of christ yeah and you guys over the years have um led us and set an example so well of that debbie i've heard a story <laughs> of you with your hands down the toilets oh, in goodness. order to make kids ministry happen on a sunday morning do you just yeah. want to well you know we turned up one sunday morning and the water had been Cut, cut off. off. Cut off on the street. Yeah, and, and the Vineyard Kids team were in a panic because how are the children going to go to the toilet, you know, have drinks? We, we, won't, we can't do children's ministry this morning. And I'm like, right, what do we have? Do we have any water what anywhere? What would it take? So we found we had barrels of drinking water. Uh, so there was some for drinking water. We had some others. And, we, and there was a place nearby that also had big barrels of drinking water. We bought, you know, uh, everything we could so that we had water for them to drink. But then this also... This all like the quarter past ten. Yeah, yeah. It was all like, we're going to do this. So I donned some rubber gloves and we said, basically, 
these toilets are for wheeze and they'll do their wheeze and we can we can pour some water in and flush those easily the ones that we don't won't have water enough for where they do the number twos or i think whatever people are polite, i don't know what you say for that number two but fine. basically i got my hands in and we put that in a bucket to be taken off to be flushed down a toilet somewhere else and disinfected but basically i did that all morning as different age groups came into the toilet i was there doing the toilet um with the Number what two. an example! Great hero <laughs> of the faith. Yes. Yes. But also sometimes, I mean, in the early days, if there was shortage of teams, you know, we would if if we weren't doing something else, we weren't involved in in preaching or something. Then yes, we'd go in and and join the rota or invited in to tell a story. Um, mm. Various times where we wanted to get involved, and then outside of specifically. Um, the actual children's ministry on a Sunday morning. There were other times when we would, you know, the, the, I mean, now you have the amazing Easter hunt and things like that, but there were times when we would did family picnics. The first picnics. one was 24 years ago in our garden with all the children. Yes, the yeah, children. yeah, yeah. We literally put out all the eggs. And, um, but then, you know, there'd be family picnics and things like that. Yeah. We'd show up, we'd be manning the bouncy castle, we'd be helping with various things, playing, getting involved in playing the games. Um, and, you know, it, it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, over the years of leading, can you share any stories of kids bringing the kingdom? Well, yeah. <laughs> I think of children, I think of our senior associate pastor here, John, and uh, he one day cricked his neck and he was all wrapped up in scarves and he was trying to prepare a sermon, I think, and in so much pain. And his 10-year-old daughter came in and just laid hands on him and prayed for him. Mm. And he felt the, this warmth and pain reducing and then she stopped and he said, no, carry on, carry on what you were doing. Yeah, that's yeah. working. But, but it was instinctive to her. Yeah. He didn't even ask. He, yeah. She just knew he was in pain and came mm -hmm. and just rested her hands. That I love that, the mm -hmm. children. I remember um, a little girl in our church um, here who heard her parents were going to be involved in the prophecy evening. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, people c sign up, they come in and uh, a couple of people minister to them and, you know, share prophetic words they have. And she really wanted to be part of it because she knew that this, you know, she'd been taught in many kids, she can extend the kingdom in this way. And so uh, the parents talked to the leaders, they arranged, yes, she could if she was with them. And then this chap had signed up. And she was came nine at the time, I think. Yeah. Eight or nine. And... Um, and basically, this chap didn't know Jesus. I mean, he was exploring faith. Yeah. Um, so he'd come to it. And her specific word of prophecy for him was so relevant that he decided there and then he wanted to give his life to Jesus. Yeah. And she led him in the prayer of salvation. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? Guys, thank you so, so much for giving up your time today to, to speak with us and share your thoughts. Would you mind just praying for kids ministry for all the leaders for yeah. all the volunteers for all the kids that yeah. our kids ministry represent yeah absolutely sure. yes so uh, those of you who are watching um why don't you just put your hand on your heart um and or you might want to stand up but at least you know let's just put our hands on our hearts and i just felt the lord just um just wanting to reinvigorate hearts that have um it, sometimes our hearts become sad when we have become a little bit disappointed um, especially in this season when we've not been able to physically be yeah. with the children in our church. And there can be a bit of a broken heartedness. And I just want to just release you from just any sense of being somewhat broken hearted and any sense of concern and fear as we go forward. And so, Lord, we, we welcome your Holy Spirit. We bless our children's ministry teams here, the leaders who are leading children's ministry across our churches. We bless you. Mm. 
and we, we speak strengthening and empowering with all the challenges that are coming our way. We speak a refreshment over you in the yes. name of Jesus. And right now, wherever you are, we just invite, Lord, your Holy Spirit to be touching people right just powerfully right now. Would you be increasing anointing and uh, awakening a fresh passion for this next generation? that this would not be a chore in any way. This would be such a privilege to be able to invest in the lives of youngsters. And we ask for just fresh energy in that, empowerment in that, anointing in that. Yeah. Amen. 